Step out into the open air and claim your freedom waiting there. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to Coffee in the Crowd. Guess what? I have an amazing guest here today, and you are going to get to hear a little bit about her story, her passion, and the super cool person she is. So thank you, Adrian, for showing up today. Thank you. Making the drive out and... She gets to be in the crowd. She loves Zell, right? I mean, Zell's I like, yeah, Zell's my new hero. Yeah, yeah. new hero. So, so this is a really cool opportunity. Um, I met Adrian. Let me think. When was it that I met you? I came and spoke for your program a while ago. Yeah, it's been almost a year. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah. So I first met her um, when I spoke for her program almost a year ago, and um, she's just doing very cool things. She is a Oh, hold on, let me see if I get this right. Poverty develop, poverty recovery program. Thank you. I was gonna say development. <laughs> that's like that's poverty not right. development. I mean, <laughs> we're gonna go the opposite yes. of that. But yeah, yes, okay. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Like some people are like, I I know you do good things. I just don't know what it is. So it's, like, <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. Poverty recover recovery program. Yes. All right. Yes. Um, and she's really passionate about what she does. She's got a beautiful family and yeah we're just gonna jump right in tell us a little bit about you what you do and maybe why you do it yeah so I teach a poverty recovery program it's kind of bigger than just finance though so we have people that sign up everything is voluntary so everybody's there according to their will they're not like made to do it for court or anything like that which some programs are kind of like that yeah um so we work on we have five pillars that we work on so financial literacy um career and education communication relationships and health and wellness that's a lot yeah so and i may have got those wrong but it's okay because i'm the one that is in charge I mean, it's probably like that. I'm the one that said poverty development. (laughs) It's okay. I mean, it's fine. But we, so we focus on all these different aspects. And the thing is, like, we have some people in our class that are not necessarily in poverty. Like, they may have been raised in poverty. um, But we talk about how you can be poor in other areas of your life. Oh, wow. So the big part of it is that social aspect like the building a community building your kind of just like circle of people that you know like if I have goals if I have dreams if I have wishes I'm just gonna go right hello oh I'm so distracted Zell, it's okay Zell came over here to say hi she wants to be in bridges she does so we just we really focus on all those different areas and so you have classes that like yeah. specifically teach about those things. That is incredible. Yeah, like having you come in and talk that one time, um, which everybody loved. So we do all kinds of stuff. And a big part is we want to train people to, obviously we give them the backbone information of like finance and all of that stuff. And then we walk alongside them as they are learning. That's so funny. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> She's trying to eat all of my stuff. I was over here checking everything out. It's, um, they get these basics down and then they set their own goals we're not telling anybody this is what the goal should be for your life wow that's awesome yeah and so we walk alongside them as they do that and a lot of my people have grown up either in poverty or have had like adverse childhood experiences um all of that kind of thing and 
it's really interesting to see the people that come from all of these different backgrounds. We've got a lot of people from the recovery communities. Mm. So people that are working on their sobriety. Yeah. And that's such an honor to be able to like walk along with them because there's some people that I think don't give those people enough credit, people in recovery, Mm. because that is literally every aspect of your life that is affected. And yes, it's, it's really, really cool to see, especially with people kind of grow. And I've experienced this in my life. It's like you grow in spurts. And so I've got people that are maybe like, well, I just feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I'm still, Mm. I'm like, keep going, keep moving. Like life is not a hamster wheel. You can't, you've got to get off sometimes. Like you can't just stay in this. As long as you're, I said, as long as you are not going backwards, then you're good. Like, and even if you do go backwards, just because you, what is that? If there's a metaphor, it's like, just because if you drop your phone, and maybe it doesn't crack or it cracks a little bit. You're not going to pick it up and throw it at the ground because it's a good you want to break it all the way. Yeah. No, you pick it up. You maybe like dust it off. Yeah. Maybe you go and get it fixed and then you move on with your life. Yeah. So I kind of try to remind people that like you just drop the phone. Don't pick it up and throw it. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And so it's just really neat to see that. I you know, work weeks are never fun, no matter what you do. Like I work at the coolest place. I just love my coworkers. I love my office, just all of it. But at the end of the week, it's still like, oh, I've been, you know, yeah. working for a week. Right. And every single time I go to my class that night, I tell them, I'm like, I guarantee I get just as much out of this as you guys do, if not mm-hmm. more, because it just like fills my cup so much That's awesome. that I, and like, yeah, it's really cool. Last night, we always do, like, appreciations where we tell everybody, like, oh, I appreciate this about you. And the only thing you're allowed to do is say thank you. You're not allowed to That's argue. It's so hard. It is so, <laughs> so hard. freaking hard. It is so hard, especially me, because I'm terrible at taking compliments. Like, I'll give them all day long. Right, I'd be yeah. like, yes, girl. Yes, yes. But whenever somebody's like, oh, you're really cool, I'm like, I'm really not. I promise you. <laughs> and I just go into this, like, defensive shell. But right, right. What a guy was doing appreciations last night and he was talking to me and he just like really saw my heart, which sounds so cheesy to say, mm. but he really just like, he's like, I can tell that you have a genuine care for everybody. Mm. And I love that they see that because my fear is that I always come across as like mm. mother hen. Yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah. And I've told them all this time. I'm like, I am like type A, I am a red, I am a Capricorn, I am whatever personality quiz you want that is says, you know, like this person's anal retentive, basically. <laughs> I was like, but I do it because I truly care. Like I love humanity and humans and yes. I just want them to be their best. Yes. And so, yeah, it's, it's so much fun. Sorry. I could talk about my job literally all day. Like, no, and you I know love what? them all so much, even if we don't talk very often. Yeah. I still like, you can ask Nick or my boys, like I'll be sitting there and I'll be doing something. I'll be like, we should do that in class. Or like, oh, I should do that for class. (laughs) I'll just be sitting there. I was like, oh, this job came open. That'd be perfect for so-and-so. And And just like, I try not to cross boundaries and I try to keep my own. So my phone goes on silent at night most of the time. But I, um, it's just, it's, it's your passion. It's a passion. It's so cool. Like, I think it was, I was pregnant with my youngest Mm -hmm. and I was teaching a just like finance and life skills class Mm -hmm. at a local homeless shelter. Yeah. And it just, it wasn't 
I didn't feel good about it. Like it was what I wanted to do, but I didn't like feel fully in it. And I told Nick, I said, this is what I want to do with my life. Like no joke. I said, I wish that I could have a job teaching people job skills, teaching people finance skills, like doing all of that. And then all of a sudden, like I see this job posted and I sent it to Nick and I'm like, listen, pay not wonderful in the nonprofit world. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which I joke about with my intern especially. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I, I applied and I was sitting there one day at class and I just started crying because <laughs> I was like, I am literally doing that thing that I was like, this is my dream job yeah. and I'm doing it. Yes. And I'm like... You feel purpose. Like, yeah. Like- yeah. Like, I, and honestly, like, I grew up you know always like looking for purpose and I was super churchy and did the whole like purpose-driven life I'm pretty sure I read that book like four times (laughs) and I'm still sitting there like this is cap no offense to people that like believe that that's their purpose is to be God's friend on earth (laughs) but I'm like if that's the case you're not a very good friend because this kind of sucks a lot of the time right so if I can like help people and then take the suck out of it occasionally then yeah absolutely because none of us chose to be born right and so if we're gonna be here we might as well make the most of it and try to figure it out and yeah just like being in the mess with people it's hard it's true it's so it's super hard like as you know it's it can be rough and you know we have like the musketeers at the office the cry club yeah (laughs) but you know it it does it gives me a lot of purpose it makes me feel good when Mm. i'm like not mentally well i'm like yeah i have 30 people that would root me on if i called i'm gonna cry (laughs) like if i called up any of them yeah or text them and i could be like hey i'm struggling and like that's not why i do it but that's how much everybody has each other's back right and it's so cool to find that in a goal-oriented and secular environment yes because everybody's rooting for everybody else like yes we when we do our new and goods like we're always yes like cheering for everybody yes couple weeks ago somebody bought like a really expensive blender and it was like one of her big like, wish list item things Aww. it was a really nice one and she's a volunteer she's like not actually a leader in the program and yeah. but we were all like yeah <laughs> somebody goes what is that <laughs> like you gotta be like a foodie and a cook to, to, to get it but yeah, it's a big deal trust me so like we get just excited about blender purchases as we do like meeting those other milestones so it's super fun you know I experienced that too when I went there for that yeah. class I was just like these people are so genuine they are They're showing up because they want to show up mm-hmm. they're showing up because they're they want to change yeah and and that's even the thing like with with my whole you know freedom for the taking is like people have to want it mm-hmm. you know and and I remember like I came home from that class and told Nate I was like these are the people that I want to be talking to. Yeah. Because they're the ones saying, I want to make changes in my life. I want to choose me. Mm-hmm. Like I, and that was like them showing up and saying like, I am choosing me. This is me choosing me. And I could feel like you've created this environment for them to where they feel safe. Mm-hmm. They feel valued and everybody supports everybody else. Like it's yeah. an incredible thing you're doing. And um, I can totally see why that's so fulfilling to you. Mm-hmm. So maybe tell us a little bit about like, Tell us about you Mm -hmm. and, you know, because I know, like, people show up in their lives and you can always wonder, like, well, what is this person really like? Or what is is the story behind what they do? And some people don't have the, um, and I know you've worked a lot of jobs before this, but 
you know, are in the position where they feel like they can do the things they're passionate about. And so it's just like they're just on autopilot and um, you just don't really know what their story is and what's going behind it. It's like, I can tell with yours, like mm-hmm. there is this beautiful thing that has driven you to desire spreading this healing mm-hmm. and this support system that you're creating. So what is that? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so notice I, t- I like got the comfy stance on. I'm like, let's go. Okay. Do it. <laughs> so, I mean, I, and it's one of those things where my therapist is like, it's like peeling back layers of the onion. Yep. And I have kept that onion in like a sealed, protected, Ziploc protected situation yes. for like 20 years. You and had so, to. You had I, to. yeah, and then I finally started acknowledging it. But I mean, I'm from the area, I grew up. In Carthage, which is smaller than Joplin, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, my like we weren't. I mean, looking back and knowing the statistics that I know, yes, we were below the poverty line. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, my neighborhood was really interesting because it was not gentrified yet, so there was very multicultural. Like the only multicultural neighborhood in Carthage, and really? then like our very white family in the middle of it wow so it was really cool to get to grow up around that yeah um my parents were not super religious in like any meaningful kind of way like my father would occasionally decide he wanted to like be the leader of the family and get on a kick of like read the bible at my feet child and like weirdo stuff like that that's definitely weird yeah and i was just such a i don't know what like just this open sunshiny just Mm -hmm. like I don't know I I just love the world and life and people and like at one job I worked at people called me Pollyanna because like I I can be super emo and like (laughs) negative and all of that but at my core like if I'm just being me I would just like run through that field and not care if I tripped and fell because I would be like oh it's the sound of music (laughs) I love it yeah so like that's how I have a scar on my knee I ran down a hill (laughs) that was a gravel hill because it was steep and I was uh, scream singing I believe I can fly oh no and then I did (laughs) so that's that's I love this picture though yeah so that's the type of person I am yeah and like I just fully embrace the klutz and everything that comes with it but I was like that but my parents and you know my mom she was getting by knowing more what I know Mm -hmm. and learning what I know sure I think she was doing the best that she could yeah. in the situation she was in. Yeah. My father, narcissist all the way. Yeah. Just absolutely. And so it was just, it felt like a lot of that was squelched sometimes. So okay. I say all of that to say, like, I grew up in a very racist household. Mm. Very racist, very judgmental. Um, I remember in kindergarten, I was like, had this crush on this boy and he was from India. And I was telling my parents in the seat of the car, I was like, oh, we're going to get married one day and his parents own a hotel and then we can go to India and I can dress up like Princess Jasmine. And like, I had this whole plan. Oh my gosh. And it was like, no, because of like very racist things. Oh yeah. Or like, shut it down. Yeah. Just everything was shut down, shut down, shut down. Unless it was like the white conservative fit the mold be in your good little position girl like type of thing Um, and I was the only child and I'm a girl obviously and that was not always ideal Mm. for him 
And so I tried a lot because I like people. I want people to like me. Sure. I'm a people pleaser. So I would just yeah. go along with it and do what I needed to do. And I remember from a very early age, like I would go to church with my grandma because she took me every single week. Like really? Every single week. Okay. Um, took me to everything because my mom's side of the, actually both sides of the family, very, very, very conservative, very, very religious. Mm. Um, and I remember like, God is love, God is love, blah, blah, blah. And then I remember it was something about like, Martin Luther King Jr. Day or something like that. And then yeah. I was talking about the Bible and I was super excited to tell my parents like, yeah. oh, this, that, and the other about, you know. Yeah. And then it was, no. And this is like why he's bad and like what? all this stuff. And I remember my brain thinking, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. I'm like, how can y'all sing that? Or like be a, cheer me on singing that in a Sunday school program. Yeah. And then turn right around and be like all these kind of slurs wow. about the people around me. Yeah. And it just, it never sat right. Like even it just as, never child, did, even as a kid. Yeah. And I just remember like struggling with that so much and wow. just, and so, you know, I said we were in a very multicultural neighborhood. So it was a very us versus them feeling. Okay. Sure. So I kind of grew up with that whole like insular, isolated, like I could play with the neighbor kids, but I couldn't like want my hair braided like them or whatever. Mm -hmm. Cause like my aunt braided my hair, like my aunt came up from out of town and like she had all the cool friends and like she braided my hair really cool. And I was so excited to show my father and I went and showed him and he called me a racial slur <gasps> and made me take it out. What? Yeah. And I was like five. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I had blocked that out for a long time. And then one day I was like, I don't remember. I think I was doing my niece's hair. It's been a few years back. And I was, she was like, oh my gosh, I look like, I was obsessed with the movie Aladdin <laughs> and the Little Mermaid. Yeah. So, and I was like, oh, she, and she was like, oh look, I look like Princess Jasmine. And she was like, Aww. she said that. And then my brain went, I hate those like, yes. The All of a sudden that memory. I'm like, oh snap. This is really, so I made sure that her dad was like, you look beautiful princess. Awesome. Like, <laughs> right. I was like, yeah. look how great she looks. Which they're very supportive and like amazing girl dads. That's My awesome. brother-in-laws are, they're just like, it's the cutest thing. It's very healing for me to see that. I'm sure. And uh, just to have them and be like, you guys can be whatever you want to be. Yes. Like for real though. Give them but what you should have gotten. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. And so it just, that was the kind of thing I was raising where it's like, it doesn't necessarily look bad. But okay. when you peel back those layers and you see that trauma and there's all of that. Yeah. So like I had kind of told you previously when I was 13, I like the years kind of run together, yeah. but basically That's everything. That's what trauma does. You don't like yeah. oriented perfectly. You're like somewhere in there this happened. Yeah. And yeah. I've started journaling some more and I really want to write a book. Cause I, that's one of my bucket list goals That's awesome. because I just, I love like prose and poetry and stuff like that. And I have always used that as an outlet ever since I learned about poetry. Like when I heard about haiku, I was like, <laughs> everybody was done for Cause I was writing a haiku about everything and you had to listen to it. Like five, seven, five, like everything. That's awesome. Is that what it is? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Like my, it was between probably the ages of like 11, 12 and 13, 14. Yeah. So we had a family that moved in next door. They were very rough. 
like mm. drugs, extreme poverty. Like oh. they thought we were the rich neighbors oh. because we got to like run our air conditioner sometimes. Right, <laughs> like, right. Not even all the time, just sometimes. Right. And like we had two running cars. Okay. Even though they yeah. were like not, not the best. Nice and, right. But it was that kind of situation. Right. And I spent a lot of time over there because I was an only child. And yeah. as dysfunctional and abusive as that family was, it was still cool to be like, oh my gosh, you have siblings? Like you have built in friends. Oh. This is the coolest thing ever, yeah. you know? Yeah, sure. And so we would, and, and it was cool. And like the, the girl um, was a grade older than me in school, but I don't know that okay. she was a full year older than me, but okay. we were very close. I would consider her a best friend and we like she went and did everything with our family like attached at the hip just like constant stuff and we would have so much fun and I just like it was literally like wake up in the morning go next door and half the time they didn't ever even had like their doors or windows shut so I would just like walk into their house and like chill the only thing you couldn't do was just like walk in the dad's trailer in the backyard And I'm pretty sure it's because it was a meth lab, but oh. I don't really know. <laughs> because that would like, make sense. Because we would play hide and seek, and there was sometimes when you could play hide and seek in the trailer, mm. and then there was other times that you couldn't. They're like, no, 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 not today. Yeah, and it like <laughs> smelled weird, and you weren't allowed to open a cabinet. And okay, I was like, okay, that makes sense. There's probably drugs in there. Houston, we have a problem. The things you learn when you eventually sure. end up involved in that stuff later on, you're like, uh, that makes sense. Okay, I'm glad we didn't blow up. <laughs> Because that's, that's a thing. (laughs) So, I mean, it it was just a constant, like, it was cool. Like, everything was awesome. And, you know, it it made it easy to cope with the fact that, like, my father was kind of an asshole. Like, gave me somewhere else to go. and, And yeah. And I mean, my mom did what she could, like I said, to make it feel normal and like, try to give me a happy childhood. And, you know, my grandma instrumental in that like Mm -hmm. I treat her as a second mom that is on the exact level of Mm. my mom because if it wasn't for her I don't know where I would be wow so she stepped in a lot oh yeah and but you know she did it in a way that was like empowering to my mom I think okay so it's like here I bought Christmas presents yeah but oh you know that kind of thing yeah which I mean my parents did too but yeah my grandma has money (laughs) like more than uh, you know we did and so it was just an all-the-time thing of hanging out and having a good time and but then things started getting weird and I was so just entrenched in like church youth group culture Mm -hmm. I did not have a single like sexually minded thought in my head for being like a girl in puberty and like the rest of the girls are dancing to Britney Spears and like Mm -hmm. trying to be all sexy and stuff and I'm like uh, I don't know about that. No, yeah. that's gross. True love waits. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I started noticing and I t- remember I told her one day, I said, stop flirting with my dad. Mm. And I just said it to her face. Wow. I go, stop flirting with my dad. You're being a weirdo. Like, it, you know what I mean? It was, yeah, it was like a this, it was frustrating thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so it kind of just like kept progressing and like his behavior kept getting weirder and I don't know if my mom was just choosing not to believe anything Mm -hmm. but like one day she came over with a letter from this boyfriend that she supposedly had and I remember the made up name that the boyfriend did yes okay and I remember the made up name that the boyfriend had yeah 
and it was like really that's a fake name <laughs> and now that I look back of it it's kind of like a creepy gross sexual name so I don't want to say mm-hmm. it it's like what yeah. but I remember like she was showing me this and my father was right there and she was asking what do you think that means it was like it became a game to them oh. of here it is right in front of your face yeah and the fact that my father was taking was participating and let's be honest that was a kid oh sure you know that was a kid i don't care like okay yeah that was in a really unhealthy situation yes and didn't have the even the the brain yeah that was you know (laughs) understood all that exactly like like your dad exactly and he was right there like over my shoulder reading and i thought it was his handwriting i was like uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember looking at my mom because my mom was right there and she just kind of like said something like, oh yeah, I don't know what to tell you about that. Blah, 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 blah. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I made her come inside the house and me and my mom very rarely argue, <laughs> but when we do, it's like taking it down in your face <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Like yeah, it gets serious. intense <laughs> and it's probably because she had me when she was like 20, I think 19 or 20. So yeah. like, we're, I mean, close in age, kind of. Right, but, right. But I just, I go, something is going on. Something is going on here. Between them, there is something not right here. And I don't know if she knew at the time and was protecting me or what, but she was like, no, blah, 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 like all this stuff. And so like, I took up to where I was like spying, like I was spying out the windows Mm. and like trying to figure out what everybody was doing and all this stuff. And it, one day I remember like, he was at work or something like that. And, like, they had had a verbally abusive relationship. And, like, one time he did beat the crap out of my mom. Like, mm. she, I hope she doesn't hear this. She'll kill me. But, I mean, it, it was domestic. Yeah. And it scared me. And I remember, like, I didn't, I didn't understand why it was happening. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't understand, like, oh, okay, so he's back, like, 24 hours late. Like, oh. what? You know what I mean? Like, yes, I get in that. So I was like, I guess it's kind of like when he yells at me if I do something wrong. Yes. You know? Yeah. You didn't have all the puzzle pieces. Right. And so one day it was, he was doing, I don't know if he was at work or fishing or where the heck he was, but my mom's friend came over and they grabbed a bunch of trash bags and my mom was just like, my friend is here. Grab these bags. Get your stuff in there. We're leaving. Okay. And it was confusing, but it was also a relief Mm. because at that point I was so frustrated with like not really understanding what was going on, but I knew it wasn't right. And I've always been one of those people that like justice and what is right, it it guides me so much. Yeah. And I think that's part of why I just never really drank the Kool-Aid on a lot of things that right. was like put Which is why you started spying when your mom said there's no big deal. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, no, this right. is, yeah. What well, A, I'm nosy as hell. <laughs> and, like, and I've had that since I was a child. My mom would be like, when I was little, she'd be like, stop listening to me on the phone. I'm literally just talking to your grandma. I'm like, about what? <laughs> what are we doing? They go to the water park and I'm sitting there like for the tea. Anyway, yeah. So like it, they yeah. It was like, come on, let's go. So, got my stuff, went to my grandma's, and it was just a really weird time. So you left your friend and her family and all that. We left the house. Like, okay. left my father there. Okay. And was he there when you guys? No. Okay. No, we waited that until. Been a- 
And it, it wasn't until later I realized, like, she waited until he was gone. Okay. And gone for a long time. Gotcha. Because we were sneaking. And yeah. at the time, I was just like, I don't want to put my stuff in trash bags and totes. Like, this is... And I'm just, yeah. you know, taking my time. And I'm like, oh, look, I found my Barbie pool. And she's like, <laughs> get, get it in. In the bag. Urgency. Yeah. And it was, it's one of those things that I blocked out for a long time because that's really traumatic. Like, yes. to me, it's like, yes. ooh, that's stuff that you see in like yep. movies about, oh, this poor child. And right. Nick has helped me see a lot of that too. Where he's like, babe, that's not normal. Right. I'm like, but it happened and I'm okay. He's like, but it's not normal. Right. And so... And it's always... It's a lot more traumatizing than we realize. Yes. Later in life, because at the t- moment, that's all we know. And the same thing is, like, when that's your normal, mm-hmm. you just, like, that's what we did. Yeah. And then you find out later, you know, 20 years later, like, oh, crap. Yeah. And now I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, I don't want people to be listening to this, or, like, my mom to find it and be like, oh, it wasn't that bad. And but, that's, isn't that terrible, though, that, that we have that concern like that's, yeah. that's horrible that people would even do that i'm like well it, it's it, not great and downplay it right <laughs> yes because that's what happens we grow up with it and it sounds like your mom did that a lot downplay things it's not that bad yeah you know no it's not what you're thinking it is yeah and i understand it's coming from a protective place but it is not a healthy coping mechanism no like no it, it you know it i really truly believe that that is what it is it's yeah. it's a protective thing and she never had that never learned that because of her just some stuff that she went through and so you know we got all that whenever whatever and I'm like living at grandma's house like okay kind of sucks I don't get to see my father whatevs you know just yeah yeah things are probably just so much kind of chaotic yeah you're like okay yeah and plus I was in seventh grade yeah and I was a chunky girl Mm -hmm. in seventh grade Mm -hmm that was obsessed with youth group stuff. And I was in the gifted education program. Mm. Mega nerd. Like, life was not easy for me to navigate. <laughs> right. As is, let alone, like, is my dad cheating with my best friend? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so we were just sitting there one day, and I we got a phone call, and I think it was me that answered. Or no, it was actually on the voicemail, maybe? We, I let it pick up. And it was a neighbor that lived next to our house and was like, hey, you got you should come over here the cops are outside and they've got him in handcuffs you're dead yeah oh wow and oh like what you know what i mean yeah so we went over there and i guess my mom took me because we were living with grandma and she lived out in the country Mm -hmm. and like off a highway and she didn't want to leave me there by myself (laughs) but you know what i mean like yeah yeah yeah. why would you bring a kid yeah but you also don't really know what's going on and it's like oh just got reaction because the people are like somebody said why did your mom take you it's like it, it wasn't that kind of a thing it right. was just go grab the grab grab her kid and grab the kid go, go. yeah yes. and so we went over there and i didn't see him because i think they had him in the house or something i don't really remember it was like very scary and like trauma blockers are still up right sure <laughs> but i remember the girl's mom came up to my door like my side of the car door and my mom had told me to lock the car door okay well I like this lady was always super nice to me sure. and, like kind of auntie-ish sort of you spent a lot of time with her family yeah exactly and like I would clean her house with the kids and she'd give me a couple bucks and so I rolled down the window a little bit and she goes I think I think that we have your mom's diamond ring I think we have your mom's diamond ring and I'm like what, what? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the girl's stepdad came out, and he was, 
not like I used to watch him take a handle bottle of vodka and a handle bottle of orange juice to work in the morning oh whoa and then like in his truck like throw it in the truck as if you were throwing you know your lunch pail wow and then come home with barely anything in it and that was every single day so obviously not a healthy individual (laughs) and but he came screaming up to my side of the car and like trying to get it it was like yelling at me your daddy likes to little girls your daddy likes to have sex with little girls your daddy's a weirdo did he touch you too like what screaming at me like fear doesn't even begin to describe it oh and just like and i mean he was a small little dude and i'm not saying like i could have taken him but probably my mom could have if we needed to but like it, it was in my mind still i'm sitting here thinking okay i understand as parents of that child like that reaction there but him screaming at me and harassing me had anything to do with you exactly and it's like dude i used to come and play at your house all the like right what the hell and the police made him actually get back after a while and told him that they were gonna arrest him if he didn't stop finally but it basically i don't really remember all the details of it but i what i had feared is what was going on and so I was just like, what the heck? And it just, I remember it hit me. And there's only like one or two other times I have felt like this in my life, like where the pain that hits you is so much that it is both physical and also like completely surreal out of body. That pain, that just grief of like, I, I mean, I hope I never experienced like losing someone that suddenly like that but that's what it felt like it felt like I lost my family and me Mm. and my father and my friends and just the reality on which my life was built yep was gone Gone. the rug was completely pulled out from under me yep and it was just there and I just remember just feeling like my whole soul was just flailing outside of my body like that is what that pain felt like And I've always been one, if I get upset, just try to like reel it back in. Like I I told Jennifer one day, I feel like it's like tarps that have like the tie downs. And like, if you're fly, like driving down the road and the tarp stops flat, you stop, pull it up, pull it over. Like make sure you're all strapped in. And I was like, at that point, my tarp was open. It had a hole in it. It was blowing them. Like, it's how I visualize my feelings as a tarp. That's how you know I grew up a redneck. (laughs) (laughs) Those were, those were not quality bungee cords that were strapped to that. (laughs) The life tarp is a lie. Is what I learned that day. (laughs) And, you know, it's, I remember I went, we went and we drove, we went to the park because my mom's just like, what do I do? Like, yeah, at that point. And the police department was kind of by a park. And so we went to the park and I got out of the car and I just ran. And I had grown up always like going out and being in the woods with my father while he was like cutting wood for people and just like growing out like nature and outdoors is just like my natural habitat which I mean technically everyone's but (laughs) I happen to enjoy it like I used to go and just like pretend all of these things like the trees were my friends just like I am a hippie at birth like that is just how the trees were my friends and I would collect like pine cones and pretend I was making potions and just all this crazy stuff I literally went and just hugged a tree. Oh my god. <laughs> because it felt 
solid and yes. I did punch it some. <laughs> sure. But I just remember feeling like the ground underneath me wasn't solid and like I just needed solid. And so I just remember doing that and then my mom came over and I was like, just leave me alone for a minute. And she respected my space and then everything was just kind of like downhill from there. Yeah. Like I remember sitting there screaming at my mom and grandma. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I never want to see him again. I don't want to talk to him. Yeah. I hate him. And they were like, well, it's your, it's your dad. It's your dad. This is between us, like me and him. This was nothing against you. What? Yeah. And it's another one of those things where like hindsight is 2020. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even if the actions I don't think were the direction to take, I can't really fully judge that. Yeah. I mean, I can judge the boundary crossing because I fully believe that if your kids are like, Hey, I'm uncomfortable with right. this. And as long as it's within reason, which I kind of feel like that's within reason absolutely, or anything, but, or even if it's not within reason, remove them so that they feel safe. Right. And then reason with them. You can't reason with somebody that's in the middle of exactly. being triggered or a trauma response, whether yeah. you agree with it or not. Right. Which you know this. I'm like telling it to you. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No. But I, that's how we treat our kids too. Like yes. they may be throwing a fit about something. I'll be like, okay, go, okay, come here. Come on. Let's yes. reel it in. Calm them down. And then be yes. like, okay, this situation is actually this. safe. Yes. Like, I know you feel this, but this is the reality. Yes. And I'm not going to try to ever change the reality. Right. And she wasn't trying to do that either. It was just this is your, your dad, you She's know, trying to separate that from saying, this is, a, this yeah, this is just here. between us. Yeah. He this didn't do anything you, to you, but no. And part of it, I think is he was a very scary person, a very scary person. And I've had people question the decisions that either one of that my mom had made or anything like that with like, he actually got out on bail or bond or I don't know which one it was. And they were to, they got back together eventually really before he got to go to jail and trial and sentence and all mm. of that and so I've had people question me like why would she do that I'm like you don't understand this man like he is one of the most insidious people you will ever meet in your life mm. like we moved I didn't tell him where I moved to yeah in the off chance that right. one of my aunts listens to this only one of them knows where I live. And that's the one that I trust to not tell me, you know, yes. not tell him where I live. Right. And so he happened to be like that, but he's a scary person and he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. And then it's just boom, like oh psycho. Yeah. yeah. So I, I understand that self-preservation that she had. Yeah. And also like suddenly we were homeless, <laughs> like essentially right. like yeah. you're living in someone else's house. Yeah. You're kind of homeless. <laughs> and they got back together. They decided to build a house. We're moving back and forth, like spending time at my grandma's, like my mom's mom's or his mom. Just like so you had to be around him again. Yes. Okay. God. Oh yeah. Like moved in, built the house. Here we go. That's mm. how long, by the way, that in the state of Missouri, it takes for a child sex crime to be gone to trial fully sometimes. That's ridiculous. Probably a year and a half to two years. That is utterly stupid. Yeah. It, it, it's sick. And it makes me so sad. And like, I know the justice system is overwhelmed. Like I used to be a court administrator, yeah. but it, it's crazy. Like stop worrying about people with marijuana tickets right. or speeding tickets. There needs to be some priority here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But 
we just, it was weird. It was just a bizarre, bizarre time. And this story that I kept getting told just from different angles and the story that I was telling myself was, oh, well, she wasn't like a normal 13 year old girl. She wasn't like that. Like she had probably already been abused or she presented herself sexually. She dressed a certain way. She had a certain body, you know, which all of those things are true. Sure. None of those is asking for an old man to have sex with you. Exactly. And to groom you. Right. And it, I and carry... the child is not responsible. No. Absolutely not. a fucking adult. Yeah, exactly. And that is that is the thing that I would get so... I'm like, I, this isn't making sense. Yeah. Like, it just... None of it yep. made sense. But I was having to, like, tell myself, like, well, this is right. Plus, then I've got my people that I trusted. And I, again believe they were doing what they thought was best but like forgiveness yeah forgiveness is the ultimate thing grace is the ultimate show that you are godly forgiveness god forgave you for your sins you can forgive other people oh really my 12 year old self that's never even stolen a pack of gum or said a bad word (laughs) what what the fuck am i being forgiven for (laughs) good point oh i'm a glutton because i like to eat a lot of cheese Or, you know, like the belief is like you're born. You're born. Sinner. So, I mean, you just are. No matter if you yeah. tried super, super duper. And that would always hang up with me too because I never felt like I was like forgiven enough because I never felt like I had sinned enough. <laughs> but then when I was in high school, I was like, well, I think we took care of that. <laughs> like, I think we got that one covered. <laughs> I did even it out a little bit. <laughs> it's all good. The Baptist drove me to be a delinquent. <laughs> My grandma's going to murder me. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, anyway. So forgiveness, grace. Forgiveness, and grace. Like, and so, okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. And... and then he was, and mind you, like this whole time also, I was so desperate for a, for attention from my father. Sure. I did, didn't get positive attention from him. Hardly ever. He wouldn't wake up on Christmas mornings. Did any conversation happen about, like, when you got back together with the family, with the times you did, was there a conversation like, I'm sorry about what happened, or was it just, like, pushed under the rug? I honestly don't think he ever told me sorry. Or if he did, it wasn't meaningful enough that I remember remember. it. I know that we had to go to, like, a family counseling thing before the court would lift, because I actually had my mom get a restraining order against him so that I would not have to talk to him. And she did honor that and let me do that for a while. But he kept wanting to see me. And I think there was other lawyers getting involved and there's just a lot of pressure from other places that I didn't know about, but we had to go to like a family counselor, which was a joke (laughs) because we go in there and we sit and the person just sits there and is like, you guys can like talk or play a board game or something. And so we played like checkers or chess or something. And I just remember sitting there playing it and like thinking in my head, this is only like the fourth or fifth time he's ever played a game with me. Good grief. And so I thought that meant things are looking up. Because now I'm getting one-on-one attention with my father and he chose to be here. And then he gave me a necklace, like a little golden cross and yeah. Listen, wow. manipulator, yes. master manipulator. But oh, yeah. when everybody that you manipulate is like under the age of 20, maybe you should. Yeah, exactly. But I, um, 
it, it was just weird. And then the day that he went to court, mm -hmm. I went and I was supposed to have a guardian at Lydum that is the person that goes to court and speaks on behalf of you. Yeah. Um, but my father's attorney decided against that or somebody did. Huh. Somebody decided I was at his attorney's office yeah. and they were interviewing me, asking me all the different ways that I could prove that I needed my dad and that um, all of the things, the more that I could give them and tell them, then the more convincing it would be and the more that the jury would be likely or the judge would be likely to not make him go to prison. So suddenly I'm 12, 13 years old and feel like the weight of my dad going to prison is on me. Is on you. Because I was the last ditch effort of like, this is our gut wrenching evidence here yeah. because we can use her, use a kid. Nobody else is going to feel bad for this man, yeah. but they're going to try to feel bad for me and use me as a pawn. God. I'm like, but the whole time I'm thinking, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I mean, and they're asking me like, what are all the things that you do? And I go, um, we used to go to the Creek sometimes and that was fun. Uh, he helps me with my homework sometimes mm. and, and it was just that. And they were like, well, there's got to, there's more, there's more, there's got to be more. Come on. What else is there? And I was just like, he got me a puppy when I was two. Oh, <laughs> like, so you're like really digging. I'm stretching. <laughs> you're stretching. I'm like, not to mention the fact that the homework that he helped me with was a paper I had to write in fourth grade and give a presentation on about if the civil war happened today, would I fight for the North or the South? Okay. I think you know how that went. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who was the only person in a 60 child fourth grade that said they would fight for the South? Wow. This poor oh, fool. God. And the whole time I go, I wouldn't want to fight for the South. They wanted mean. slaves. Oh. And he's explaining land rights oh, and all God. of this crazy like brother against brother and because of where we lived and our family settled here and some of them fought for the South and some of them fought for, and I'm just like, oh my God. But he's invest, I feel like yeah. when, the, and maybe you can relate, when somebody is preaching to you, even mm -hmm. if they're delusional and they are, they can be charismatic, it feels like you are giving me some sacred knowledge. Exactly. Oh yes. And it's like, oh. That's what they do. Yeah. They're good at it. And But he would get this voice and I called it preacher voice, like in my head. Whoa. Where it, I swear, it's like a flip of a, a switch. It's like, you are blah, 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 blah. Like yes. this weird cadence to it. And I'm like, oh. I, I, I can even pick up on it as a kid, but me being a kid it's like sure oh i'm uh, this is an adult conversation yes. i'm getting in like oh yeah yes. like teaching me to clean a gun i'm sorry i'm like a seven-year-old girl <gasps> it smells weird that's yeah. what i know and don't shoot me like or <laughs> right. other people like don't right. shoot people right. oh yeah oh oh and, he, I, oh and that was the other thing that i had said i was like um he takes me out to shoot guns and that's fun they're like well we can't really talk about that in court <laughs> And I was like, but you said I was the next Annie Oakley. Oh, like, right. So that's like how I earned his favor was shooting things. Yeah. Well, but they had me go up and like be on stand for the trial and asking me all that. And my whole family, bless their hearts, uh, sat in the courtroom and sat with me in there. Goodness. And then they started reading letters back and forth from them. 
And keep in mind, like, I am completely sheltered in the yeah. ways of all things. Oh, letters from your dad and then your best friend. Yeah. Oh, good grief. Like, sexual letters. Seriously? I was reading one. And this is after I had already testified. Sure. Which was so scary. Like, I, that's pretty... I don't remember what all was said or asked, but I just remember giving, like, one-word answers and then getting out of there as soon as I could. Of course. And they started, like, reading all of that, and I was like... What? It yeah. all started... Dip, 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 dip. Like, when you see on a movie when they have a montage, yeah. and suddenly everything makes sense. Yep. My little brain did that, and I just immediately just melted. I just started bawling. And I got up and walked out, and I don't remember who it was that walked out with me. I think it was my grandma. Mm. And I remember seeing his shoes walk by. <gasps> they wouldn't, they had him in cuffs, and they wouldn't let me hug him. Mm. And I just remember his shoes walk by, and I remember him saying something like, I just wanted to say bye to my baby, or something like that. Oh my God. <laughs> and that was the only time I can recall feeling a desperate want to talk to me. And it's like, at the time I was upset with it, but I also didn't want to talk to, like, I didn't want it. And it's, it was just weird. And so I... Really terrible place to put a little kid. Yeah, and I did all the things. Like, I would go on the prison visits and go do the phone. We did the phone calls twice a week. Good. And we would do it at his mom's house because she was paying for it. Yeah. And then eventually my mom stopped coming. Hmm. She slowly stops because I don't know that she actually ever went and saw him in prison. I can't remember, but she slowly started not coming to the phone calls. Yeah. And then I was the one. He'd be like, well, where's your mom? I don't know. If she doesn't want to talk. Like, yeah. which is an awful situation to be in. Yeah. And so one day he got really mad and decides that he's going to tell me their whole, like, relationship deviation history and telling me in detail sexual acts my mom committed in cheating on him. Oh my gosh. I was literally if you've not 13 been enough already. Exactly. God. I was 13 and he says to me on the phone as I'm sitting here and I would just okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Cuz I was too afraid to tell him to stop. Yes. And I was like, it's like what's he going to do? <laughs> he yeah. can't go nowhere. <laughs> right. But I remember he sat there he asked me he goes, "Do you know what sodomy is?" Which I didn't. Yeah. I go, uh, yeah, I think so. Who in their right brain, like, who does that? And it was just this control, because he was trying to control the narrative so hard. Yes. And he was trying to set up this, well, I did it because I was... These are my reasons. I was trying to make myself on her level. I was lowering myself. Oh, my God. I was evening the field. Wow. Yeah, and so it's like, and I heard all of these, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, I'm not repeating all that to my mom, because that does not feel like any of my business. Yeah. In the slightest. Like, I don't even know if she knows that we had this conversation. Because wow. Right. I, like, a lot of stuff that he said, and I would just be like, okay. Like, yeah. honestly, sometimes I read a book and just said, okay, every few minutes. But, <laughs> like, going to prison, that was so weird, going I'm in sure. to see, and it's like... I'm sure. At that age, like the things that come along with puberty and like right. feminine things yeah. that I'm having to handle as a young girl in a men's prison in their visitor bathroom. God. And it's like, I know that's TMI, but like people right. don't get that real, like 
it's this not is the reality. Yeah, it's not. We're gonna go up and we're gonna look through the glass and talk on the phone. No, it's. it's not I'm going in there. I'm standing in a room. It's or sitting in a room. It's an open room. So there's all these other criminals. Wow. They have done child sex crimes, violent crimes. You're in a room with all. Of them? And I'm in a room with all of them. I and there's one know. security guard. <gasps> and my aunts and my father. God. So it's like. That is scary. At any point, like. Sure. Who knows? And it's just, it's, it was gross and weird. And like, we tried to make the best of it and then we couldn't hug. And that always freaked me out. He was allowed to hug my aunt and my grandma, but he wasn't allowed to hug me. Oh, good grief. And, but his, and this is another thing, like go Missouri courts. He was, he pled out and his plea deal so that he did not have to register as a sex offender. No way. Yeah. Yep. How the fuck do you work that? Yeah. Yeah. And so people are always asking, like, people would ask me. And sometimes I feel guilty, like, mm. this isn't my business to tell. But it is my business to it tell. It absolutely is. I was drugged through that shit and mud. Like, yep. I would rather roll around here, which is actually very clean ground. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, it was just bad. If you're going to step in it, don't step in it with your kids. Right. Like, don't just don't. And so, but all this time, all these years, fast forward to me, like being an adult, being married, having kids, mm -hmm. he would have these episodes, which he has PTSD for being in the service. Like I respect and honor that he served our country. Like that's amazing. Good. Yeah. And I understand and fully respect PTSD. Like I get that. That is a real thing. Yeah. Um, but he would have episodes and there was nobody else to handle it. Or like he would get in trouble for something, oh, and this is when he was out, yeah. and would get in trouble for something, and then call me, and I would be the one, or he would text me, and sometimes I got to be where I was like, you kind of deserve, like you broke the law. <laughs> I mean, you deserve to be. In you trouble. broke the law, whether I agree with the law or not. You you did break it, and so and he would get mad at me, and then just mm -hmm. all this stuff, and it's it was periods of like not being around love bombing my boys and then disappearing or having a weird episode a lot of like and i sheltered them from all of that yeah. and i was trying so hard to have him involved though because i'm like that was in the past mm -hmm. and we've worked i was not addressing any of my trauma it is not until probably the last two or three years where one day i was sitting there and i was like i don't want to do this anymore mm -hmm. It was, he forgot one of my boys' birthdays. And then last year, he did not, he forgot both of my boys' birthdays. Aww. And he has their initials tattooed on his neck. And he loves to show everybody and tell everybody all about it. His grandsons, oh, his yeah. progeny is what, oh yes. Wow. I am the fruit of the loin and his progeny and the bloodline carried. So I wasn't a boy. So his last name bloodline stopped at me. And so I would wish and wish and wish that I was a boy. Or I sat there and wished that one day when I got married, I would keep my maiden name because I needed to pass on the name. Now I'm like, if I, whatever is the opposite on the end of the alphabet, which I'm pretty close. <laughs> yeah. That's what we need. Yep. But yep. I just decided like, I'm done. I am done grasping for attention from this person that does not deserve it deserve it yeah. he doesn't deserve it yeah. he's family so
so fucking what? Right. That's where I'm at now. And honestly, like your story and listening to you help me be so secure in that sometimes because I was like wrestling with it a lot. And my husband's telling me. Yeah. And my husband's like, babe, he was not good to you. Yeah. Overall, horrible. Like you do not have to feel bad about this. Don't feel bad about it. I'm like, yeah, but it's just now. And I went along with it for so long and blah, blah, blah. And it looks like it's just out of nowhere. He's like, it's not. It's been sitting there. You just haven't opened it up. Like you haven't gone there. And it's one thing for me to hear him tell me that. Because my husband's one of the most supportive people I've ever met in my freaking life. Like he just, he will, I could be like, I want to go be an astronaut. And he would be like. Well, I wanted that first, but let's go figure it out together. Let's both be astronauts. <laughs> like, I, I, I love them about that. Like, we are just the adventure partners in that. And so I love that. He, it's one thing for him to tell me. Yeah. yeah. But then, like, I was listening to your story and, like, listening to all this. And I'm like, that is so brave. Like, mm. other people have done this. You can go along with the bullshit for a while. Yeah. But whenever you decide that your time's up with that, yep. your time can be up with that. Yes. And so... Yes. It just, it helped me so much. <laughs> like, I'm so glad. Like, I would be crying and I would be listening to it. I'd be like, I just need it. I was like, they can do it. I can do it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, awesome. Yeah, but we need that. Yeah. We feel like we're a horrible person and we're yeah. probably the only horrible person. Everybody else will be fine with this, but we're not. And so something's wrong with us. Yeah. And when you realize, oh, something's not wrong with me. I, I don't have to say yes to this. I yeah. can say no. Or like you went along with it for so long. Why now? Yes. I don't know because one day I woke up and said, fuck that. Right. And that's the only reason I need. Exactly. <laughs> and then exactly. I have a best friend that is like my other life partner, basically. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that a lot, too. And she she helps me through all this stuff. But again, awesome. it's different when you hear it from yeah, so you think, an oh, outside you're source. Just, yes. And so like I tell her all these revelations and she's just like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've like, been saying that. I'm very happy for you and I love you and I'm proud of you, but yes. <laughs> yes. But wait, that's just how we are. Yeah, yeah. And so it just, it feels yucky. But once I got that out or like started working on that yes. part, like I'm more trusting of my husband. I'm more trusting yes. of myself and my decisions. Awesome. I go and do things at work and you know, Jennifer's actually helped me a lot with this. Best HR ever, even though she may not think it all the time. I'm like, <laughs> this is what you're supposed to do. You're empowering your employees so that they're doing better at work. That's awesome. But just like talking about, just talking about it, A. Yes. But when people say something to me, my guard doesn't automatically go up. I don't know what it is that huh. wrecked my self-esteem with that whole situation. Uh, everything. True. Everything. True. <laughs> so my self-esteem was like, Bleh. sure. Except for the times when, like the twenty-second version in high school, like I hit a point where pretty much everything bad you can think you can do that is stereotypical as a kid, yeah. I was doing it. Yeah. I don't want to like scar my family. <laughs> <laughs> There was a lot of drugs. There was a lot of alcohol. There was a lot of guys. Yeah. And it was just me looking for that self-worth. Exactly. And I, at that point, I had a very disordered eating habit. Um, I, and probably the drugs helped. And I would just like, I was skinny finally. And I had a commodity. Mm. And for once, I could get what I wanted out of a man. I see. Yeah. And it, that is a that is a fake sense of control. Right. That is a 
fake sense of right. I don't even know what you want to call it. Respect. It's not respect. It's not empowerment. Right. You're but using at the time. That's yeah. That's the only thing. That's the first time you felt that. Yeah. You had that. Like bribing people with your body. Yeah. Like. Yeah. That's not where you want to be. Right. And it, it just all of that just sort of piled up. But yeah. I've been there and now like when people say something to me and it's a critique or a criticism, mm -hmm. like a constructive one, yeah. I never I no longer take it as a personal attack. It's like not a character attack. Yes. And I keep telling myself that like That's so beautiful. Yeah, like constructive criticism is not a character judgment. Right. And right. that may be common sense to some people. But when you're me and every aspect of your life has basically been lived for like what other people are thinking yep. or to protect other people, yes, something like that, like just yep. the way that I've had to operate through life, sure. any negativity just feels earth shattering of course. because I try so hard to have everything up here all the time. Yes. And, but as I've been learning this, those bricks have kind of just like been coming out of my wall, like Beautiful. every single time, like. And I'll sit there and I'll hear something and I'll be like, okay. And I talked to my therapist about it and we made up a plan. Good. And so I call it my parking lot because I love it. I want to process emotions when something comes up and like somebody, like if you were to tell me like, Adrian, you're talking too much. Yeah. I would be like, old me would cry and be like, oh my God, I've ruined this. Aww. But new me is like, well, we can stop. I'll address it how I need to up front. Yeah. I'm putting it in my mental parking lot. Okay. So I know it's there. Yeah. It is there. I'm going to honor it later. Yeah. But not right now. When you have the time and space. And yes. Energy. And then go back to it. And so I journal a lot. I've always journaled in various ways. So I may like put it in a note in my phone yeah. or like write it down. Like I'll just like jot something down. Like. Yes. Like think on this later. Yeah. And so I started doing that and like doing that on TikTok some like in the mornings I'll go and have my coffee and sit there and be like half awake. And, <laughs> but it's really helped me. And then like as I'm doing that and I'm realizing I can have emotions about this, but yes. I can also like deal with it right now. Yeah. And that allows me to stand up for myself. Good. Which is something that I've never been able to do without a very emotional response. Right. So yeah. previously it was standing up for myself looked like tears and being ghetto or you know what I mean yeah, like right which anytime a woman's emotional apparently or oh, has any like it, animation whatsoever it's, it's like oh you're oh, ghetto. she's being bitchy yeah it's ridiculous it yeah it's like insert Taylor Swift the man right here <laughs> I love that yes. song have you heard it the man yes I don't think so that okay. is your homework. Sorry. Okay. You guys, Adrian just told it's all of our homework now. But I got to do it. Everybody else has to do it. It's called The Man. Yes. Okay. The Man by Taylor, Taylor Swift. Okay. My personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> <laughs> the level of obsession I have is like I love not you. straight, not sane, nothing. I love <laughs> anyway, you so much. Anyways. <laughs> fun facts. Um... Yeah, just like as I, I'm standing, like these bricks in this wall that I have built up sure. are just like coming out, but I am taking them out. Yes. Because used to, I'd like let people hear like a little bit of what I've been through. Yeah. Because I carried that as my guilt. Yes. I don't have a fucking thing to be guilty about in that whole thing. You're absolutely right. I spent almost 20 years feeling shame about something I went through that was other people's fault. Exactly. And responsible. You were made to feel responsible. Exactly. For it. And like, I just carried that so much. And it was nobody telling me that. Nobody was saying that. But it's society. It's when you, when it happens, it's on the news. You go to church, you go to school the yes. next day. Right. And all the teachers 
Oh no. And all everybody at church and it's like they're handling you with like pristine white gloves uh, and I'm just like this you know what I mean? Yes. Please just treat me like a normal person. Yes. I just want to go through life and not have to be a product of that shit. Yes. And but then I realized like I can be a product of that shit, mm. but I can also be a product of the work I've put in. Good for you. And it's so cool to like see these people every single week in my class that are going through that and they've been through work so many of them have gone through so much worse yeah self-inflicted worse yeah. familial worse yeah. generational yep. and but they're literally showing up ready to go like ready to even if it's just to connect yeah. i think that is so beautiful because yes. they almost all of them go to church mm. and a lot of them are in recovery meetings yeah. or they are in other things yeah. like these people have lots of different support groups yeah. but they are coming to connect with a specific group of people for the like-mindedness of bettering ourselves yes. with no stipulations wow. bettering ourselves with no preconceived notions of what better looks like yep and it's just it's so cool and so when i come when i came to class originally like I kind of look like I have. I, I try to be very professional sure, like, at yeah. first, and then they get to know me, and then I'm. <laughs> but you know, I came and somebody said, "I go." They weren't really taking me seriously, and I go, "I need to level with y'all." Like, my childhood kind of was crap at times. Yeah. A lot. Like, yeah. I've been through some traumatic stuff. I had a parent in prison. Yeah. I like. I did a lot of terrible things in school. Like I got in trouble for stuff, you know, the whole time I was in the top of my class, graduated with honors, but you never know what somebody's going through. I go, it doesn't matter what is going on right here. What is going on on my resume? The actual crap that I have been through is a lot. And I know that it's not the same stuff, but it doesn't have to be because I, I, I just feel like a lot of us sell ourselves short of the impact that we can make. Right with being honest with ourselves about like our story and how we handle things and how we face the world. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's so refreshing to get that once a week and and not even just once a week. I do like check-ins with my people, (laughs) but we have like a group chat and then everybody has my number or has me on Facebook and I'll just get random messages all the time about stuff. So it's just like this ongoing constant conversation and just attitude of like, Hey, do you have a resource for this? Hey, my friend is looking at this. Do you know what I could tell them to like send to them and stuff like that. And so it feels just so cool to be connected with these people that it's just like this bubbling pot of awesome that just keeps like overflowing Yeah, giving back giving back entirely it is and now we're working on like trying to find a community like they do community service type stuff every Mm -hmm. once in a while but trying to like make a big impact and like come up with a project oh my god how cool yeah so we're working on that and it's cool to see people that have not had the chance to feel like they can make a positive difference or have not really had a chance to feel like they can make a difference in the community on a level of like, I am a member of the community. Yes. Like I, they are the upstanding members of the community. Yep. And it sucks so bad to see people still continue to judge people. Yes. Because it's like, okay, you want people, first of all, you want people to go out and pull themselves up by the bootstraps. Right. These people have pulled themselves up by like broken dollar store sandal straps. Right. Yeah. And like the boots, forget the boots. No, they're wearing dollar flip flops and they have pulled themselves up by that or whatever. Yeah. And 
but yet you still people still have this notion of yes. like you used to be a criminal you used to be an addict you yep. used to do this or that or you have a felony or whatever yes. right and it's like if all of us walked around with the dumb shit that we have done plastered on our heads exactly nobody would give us a second chance right and I used to feel like I had to walk around with that, like wearing my dad's scarlet letter all through mm. life. Mm. And now yeah. it's like, I can wear who I, like what I've been through yeah. and I can hold it over here. Yes. And so it's really cool. Yes. And that is a really long-winded explanation no. of how I love where I'm at right now. Yes. Also physically, <laughs> I'm like about to fall asleep. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is the perfect nap. <laughs> um, but. I just, I love where I'm at and I'm continuing to like grow and do all of these different things. And like, I struggle pretty severely with my mental health issues mm -hmm. and I'm not saying it's a cure all, but like getting connected yes. to other people where you can grow together. Yeah, it's, it's important. It's important. It's and that's why I like love yeah. what you do and like love your passion and everything. Aww, and cause you're just like out here, just like putting your heart and everything into the world. <laughs> like. We can be awesome together. Yeah, we can yeah. say fuck the trauma together. Yes. And like, Love it's it. just so cool to have mm. somebody that is so genuine like that. And so Thank I'm not you. kissing your butt, I promise. No, no, I it's know like, you really mean it. Yeah. And I loved what you said. I absolutely love what you said about, you know, like we tend to downplay our stories and the importance of it. Cause I think about that, like, and that's what I really want for this podcast is a place for people to bring their stories because our stories is what impacts the world. Yeah. That is like, like you said, like we don't have to, it doesn't have to be this thing that defines us. It's not who we are, mm -hmm. but it is something that can drive us and can help other people. And mm -hmm. it's relatable and it helps other people heal. And just knowing that you're not alone, like it's our power yeah, really to be able to take our story and, and change it from being, it's what controls us and keeps us stuck mm -hmm. to be able to, like you said, start taking those bricks out. It's taking your power back. It's like saying, you know what? You're not going to be in charge of me anymore. I'm in charge of you. Yeah. And so now I'm going to use this and be able to share it, you know, and I, I'll never be the person that says, well, I'm glad this happened to me because now I can use this for that. Like I, I can never say that. I no. will never say I'm glad what happened to my kids. Happened to my kids. Like no. it was horrible and things should never happen. Exactly. But to be able to, like you said, pull yourself to a place of like, you know what? This isn't going to define me the rest of my life. Right. I am going to, d despite this, mm -hmm. I'm going to step into my power and shine my my light in a way that I wasn't able to as a kid. Yeah, you know that wasn't your decisions and your choices. You were put in all of these, which I just want to say, like I'm horribly sorry. Like it oh. made me start crying just to hearing your story because you know, relating to to things that have happened to my children, mm -hmm. and as a parent, being able to take the stance and go oh hell no oh hell no you know like it makes me just like my heart break and go like i wish i wish you had yeah. had that because you deserved that you know and Thank so you. so yeah. we don't have these things and we grow up without them and then we're like it's like we have to grow ourselves up basically yes. because we didn't have that nurturing and that healing and that valuing of like you know what your concerns matter i see you i hear you so we have to do that for ourselves and it's shit hard. It is. Oh yeah, and uh, you know as well as I do, parenting while reparenting yourself is like, 
exhausting. There's days where I'm like, why am I so brain numb? Like, I didn't do that much today. And then I'm like, oh, I've been with my children for a solid 24 hours. <laughs> they stressed me out. Yeah. I was having to calm little Adrian on the inside <laughs> yes. and tell her, you're safe. Oh, you're yes. safe. Yep. You are loved. You are safe. These feelings are okay. Yeah. Well, all the same might be like, please do not beat your brother. Please do not kill your brother. (laughs) (laughs) Please do not feed that to the dog. Please do not do that. Like, my boys are great. If they weren't good kids, I would be somewhere like locked up for my brain at this point. Because they're wonderful children. But it's a lot. But it's a lot. I mean, and the small things can feel like huge things because Mm -hmm. we have so much trauma we are dealing with. Exactly. I get that same thing. Like, we're not parents that just like well our lives have been so easy and so now we're like you're starting from the deficit yeah as a parent yes so and a lot of times at least for me it's not until I'm parenting my kids through different stages of life that all of a sudden I go back to being that age and Mm -hmm. I'm like oh shit Mm -hmm. I didn't have that Mm -hmm. I was just talking yesterday with Jennifer about um how I love to do horse stuff with Tanae my oldest daughter like we do horse stuff and it's just one of the things I love and then I just I started crying because I realized like my mom and I would have had that mm-hmm. had we not joined the cult. All, we sold our horses, and that that was a a beautiful part of our relationship that didn't have to go. Like, mm-hmm. We could have had that our whole life. It would have been amazing. She loved horses, and I inherited that love from her. I grew up watching her with this, mm-hmm. and so I didn't even realize. Like it's just one of those things where there's things, things just hit you out of nowhere, and you're oh, like. Yeah shit yeah that hurts that's painful (laughs) yeah and being able to give that to my own kids is huge and that is healing Mm -hmm. but it's also having to go back and allow myself to grieve yes what I should have had and I didn't have Mm -hmm. and being like it's okay to be really sad about that you actually should have had that Mm -hmm. you know and yes I can give that to my kids and no I'm not going to stay in this sad place forever but we do need to allow ourselves to heal and it's hard it is I don't like to feel I don't know about you I don't I always I'm like I don't want that right now I don't want feelings (laughs) I tell my best friend that all the time I'm like I'll listen to that later I don't want feelings right now (laughs) and and she's respectful of it but I know it probably drives her batty because she's like this is important to me I'm like I don't want feelings right now (laughs) but I love (laughs) you or like I don't want to watch movies because I don't want to feel that way but yeah it's just it's it's hard but it's important and it's just breaking this generational stuff and that's how a lot of my class people are so ahead of me. It's like, oh, I paid off a bunch of debt. dirt like, yeah. Like, I was the first college graduate from my family. Like, those are cool things. Yeah, yeah. But you hear people's stories, and you hear all this stuff, and we do interviews for people to get into the class, but it's just to set the expectation. Yeah. And you'll hear people say stuff, and they will sell themselves short. Mm. And it's they're selling their accomplishments short. I think we start with selling our trauma short. Yep. And we sell the pain short. Yep. And we sell the things people have done to us short. Yep. Yes. And then when you, then we start moving into okay, no, that was big. I'm gonna heal it. And then we hit this. Well, I'm gonna sell myself short. Yes. Oh well, I was just doing what anybody would do. Like right. I'm just getting myself not addicted to drugs and not living on the streets mm-hmm. and getting a job for the first time and getting my kids back. Or, you know, yeah. it's like yeah, huge yeah, thing. Just there's no just unfucking your life. Like right. you did it. You did something. Yes. Like and I, that's the thing we tell them. Like your goals, however small, are valid. Like okay, so you walked yes. half a mile today and huge. you don't normally do that. Good for you. Don't sell yourself short. Right. And I tell them, and we'll stop, I'll stop somebody and be like, no, no, it's not just. Good. You did that. Yep. Yep. And they look at me like, why are you like this? (laughs) (laughs) And I have a lady one day, she goes, 
I just want to be like you. Like, I just want your energy. And she has such a powerful story of like living through some really terrifying shit. And like, I just want to be like you. I go, you are inside just because you don't have all of this. I'm like, you're selling yourself short and you need to own your power. Good job. So don't do that. Yeah. Like we sell the trauma short. We sell our accomplishments short. And you can stay at either one of those. Or you cannot. Yes. And then it's just... Right. And I think, I mean, at least for me, what I see is like, as women in our society, we're praised for selling ourselves short. We're supposed to be humble. Or no, no, I mean, I'm not really, I mean, just small. All, it's all those things. Mm-hmm. Like, so if we step into our power, we look bitchy, we look controlling. And it's like, that is, those are all fucking lies. Yes. Made up by a man. Yes. To control. Yes. So, so it's hard. I mean, you have not only trauma, but you have our society that says, no, play it small. Be yep. small. You look better. People will love you more. Yep. You're more lovable if you're just like, oh, I'm just, you know, what it, just, yeah. you don't give me the glory. It's like, no, take the fucking glory. You did the hard yes. work to get where you are. Exactly. And there's some quote out there about not making yourself small so that other people can feel mm. big. I don't know where it is, but that is something I've struggled my whole life because like I have a big personality. Yeah. And so I feel like since I have a big personality and I have a large body, I'm just too much. Gotcha. I'm just too much. And my whole thing is like, if I was a man oh. in this size of body, right. nobody would think twice about nope. it. You're exactly right. It's like, oh, that's so-and-so. Look at you, big guy. Yes. Look at you, big man. Like right. nobody, if somebody, uh, now if somebody walked up to me, was like, look at you, big girl. I'll be like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh, sorry. I don't think I can do that. You're, you're fine. You're good. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I'm probably yes. like, yep. But it. Sure. It's, it's a completely the, different yeah. thing. And like people, it, that's a whole other topic of like people feeling like they have to tiptoe around the truth. Yeah. Like, no shit. I'm fat. I know this. <laughs> you think I don't have to put yeah. myself in chairs and put clothes on my body? Yeah. Do I like it? No. Yeah. However, this is the vessel that's getting me around day to day. I'm working on it. Good job, Adrian. Thanks. I feel like I'm working on it. Yes. I may be working on it this much at a time. But it's because still I have an angry toddler in my head all the time <laughs> that's like, no, pay attention to me. I want to be comfortable. This is not comfortable. Bitch, <laughs> just walk up the stairs. Like, what is the deal here? <laughs> Drink some water. <laughs> but no, I love water. But, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, why, why are we shrinking ourselves? Because yeah. society says be yes. quiet, yep. be small. Yep. Be small-minded. Yep. Do all of this. But also do the most important work of <laughs> literally raising all of the humans on the planet. Exactly. Right. And deciding you want small minds raising the future generations. Right. What? Why? Yeah. And so I have found a group of friends that maybe we don't all agree on, like, political things or religious things. Yeah. But I have surrounded my people that are raising good humans. Awesome. Because... I'm not saying I'm a perfect parent. I yell. Like, I yell. My car's a mobile dumpster. <laughs> Half of the time, when my kids go to school, like, they've, you know, I've had to run the jeans through the dryer a few times. <laughs> yeah. and, like, no, I am not a perfect mom. I apologize, though. Right. That's what matters. That's I apologize. There is no perfect parent. And I say, I was being an ass. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. But you... Also, we're going to work on this. Yes. Like, let's work on this together. My oldest awesome. gets pretty angry, and I, I've become less angry as I've let a lot of this stuff out and flow. But yeah. I'll, you know, talk with my oldest and be like, let's work on this together. Like, you're getting incredible upset. Yeah. I get upset about some things. 
let's work on this. Or like just taking a minute and be <laughs> the youngest thinks I'm a quack, but he's like, <laughs> I'm like, just stop and deep breathe. Just yep. stop. Yeah. Just take a second. Just take a second. And okay. But also they're really into like meditation tracks and stuff. That's incredible. <laughs> so I love probably because they used to use it to get him to sleep. Like <laughs> they use like kids meditations. Soothing. Yeah, or like oh, yeah. there's like kids yoga on YouTube and we yeah. used to do those. And so cool. It's so cool getting to like play into that that's this next generation. Yeah. But then like walk alongside the current generation. Yes. And there's times whenever I get really depressed about the state of the world. Yeah, sure and have to remind myself like there's no way yeah. that the future is going to be this dark Good it just you. like it can't be there's yeah. no way yes there's no way no because there are adrians in this world <laughs> <laughs> and you're showing up and you're shining this beautiful light and i mean it's it's already radiating into all of your spaces and i hope this podcast just shoots it farther yeah. uh, so if if you could have like a message that would kind of sum up what is really what you learned and the most important thing you would say to people mm -hmm. what would that be I have <laughs> such a hard question <laughs> it is I'm like can you sum it all up into the chink okay sum yeah. yeah like I just you are the one that gets to control how you are in the world, mm. how you show up every day. Yeah. And that does not have to be defined negatively. The bugs want to hear. You do mm. not have to be defined negatively by your past or your story. You can take that shit and own it and use that when you go out in the day. Like, yes, I think that's the biggest takeaway I would have. That is incredible. <laughs> and that is so empowering. And to me, like when you get to hear other people's stories, it's a practical tool. I feel like it's mm -hmm. giving each other tools mm -hmm. that we get to add, you know, me being able to add your story into my tool belt helps me to have even a greater sense of empathy and understanding. Mm -hmm. And it empowers me, just like you're saying, like when you heard my story, like I can do this too. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing for me. Like, and that's why I feel like the stories are powerful. Like we get to be like, oh, I can do this. I can show up in the world how I want to show up in the world. Yes. And this is, my story does not define me, but I'm going to use it. Exactly. I'm going to work through the shit however I need to and become this healthy, vibrant human despite all of the crap yeah. that I had to navigate through as a kid yeah. that I didn't have a choice about, but now I do have a choice. And like, what a beautiful, and I know it sounds simple, but it's so hard, but mm -hmm. it's important because what else are we here for? I mean, right. to be miserable? Like that's, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you read my blog from this week, but it's Jehovah Witness stop by. Oh no, and, I didn't. Um, yeah, they did. And then their, their question they kept returning to was that, um, do you, there's so much suffering in the world. Yeah. You know, isn't the world a terrible, horrible place? I just couldn't agree with them because I was like, I, I choose to not live miserably though. Yeah. And so I just kept returning, which it blew their minds. And at the end of it, they said, you have an amazing attitude. Um, wow, I agree with you. Okay, I guess we'll go now. Like, thanks, have a good day. I, yeah, I didn't have to disagree. I just was like, I choose to live and take my freedom. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna sit around just saying, suffering here. And I think that's it. Like I said, I don't 
think the goal of life is not to be here and just be miserable. No. And yes, we do suffer. We do live with pain. It's, you don't get out of it. It's part of the human experience. Yeah. But like you're saying, we can take, we can choose mm -hmm. to go, okay, I've had all of this, but I'm still going to shine. Yes. I'm going to heal through it and I'm going to shine and I'm going to show up every day in that. Yes. And when I feel sucky, I'm going to show up in that because yes. that's authenticity. We're I not, do that too. I'm like, I am not good today. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which I think people can get that wrong. Part of like shining is not mean you're showing up happy every day exactly. and everything's fine and, and you gloss it over. It's showing up as you and deciding I am still valuable. Yes. No matter how I feel, no matter even if I was a crappy mom this morning, I'm still a valuable person. None of that defines me. Oh yeah, definitely. I used to let people when I worked at a store and I was HR, like if people were having a rough day, they, they would come to my office mm -hmm. and I would be like, just sit for a second awesome. or like go hide in that corner. If you need to cry, just, I tell people just take a second. Yeah. Because if I show up and I'm honest about whatever shitty mental state I am in, yes, I'm not saying I'm going to get out of that, but if I show up and I acknowledge it, yes, and I'm like, hey, I'm not 100 today, yes, let's, I'm going to be doing a lot better than if I was trying to act like I exactly. was good, exactly, exactly. And so it's, it's a lot of that. It's you know, you can get into like the whole like acknowledging the privilege of being able to. Have a mindset that's positive and, you know, and not being affected by whatever the missionaries are telling you, which yeah. is true. Yeah. However, it's like, I can live and I can be happy where I'm at and yeah. I can shine my light where I'm at or go and do it somewhere. Like I can do this where I'm at. Yeah. You can still acknowledge all the hurt. You can yes. acknowledge, you can empathize. Yeah. But if you're carrying your empathy as a weight, yes. it, that's not productive. Right. Carrying yep. that as a weight, going and doing. Yep. I get, and you know, the people that go to door, they're, they're going and doing how they know. Sure. As long right. as they're cool about right. it. It just sounds like they were. Yeah. <laughs> they were. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. But yeah, you just, you have to show up and just do it authentically. Yes. And that's the gift that we give the world. Yes. It's not showing up in perfection. It's showing up in authenticity. Exactly. Because then the re it gives the rest of us permission. Oh, you know, I can be authentic too. Yeah. And then we're all happier <laughs> in our workplaces. We're happier at home. It, it's a gift to the world. It is. And you are a gift to the world. So and thank you for coming today <laughs> and um, for valuing this podcast, even though I know it's really small right now. Liz, I'm, I'm always I'm, encouraged because like, you're one of the biggest fans. I'm like, I, okay. I am the me? biggest fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't have to be the, but I'm like, I'm up there. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm always like, oh, podcast day. <laughs> and then you're like, I'm like, I get to work. Is everything okay? Are we okay? Is everything okay? Why isn't the podcast out yet? Are we delayed? Is it a technical issue? Is it a human issue? Oh, it's okay. It's fine. And then it's like, did you listen to the whole thing? No, I listened to half because I just, I listen to half of things and then I pick it that other half up later when I need it. Yeah. Which probably doesn't help your numbers. No, no. <laughs> you know what though? But that's what keeps me coming back out here. Yeah. And I remember that. Like, you know what? There are some people that this is meaningful to. And so anyways. I, yeah. I, I am very grateful and feel very honored that you shared your story with us. Thanks. And I know it's hard to share our stories. Um, it's vulnerable. Yes. And especially when you're like, it's going out into the world and you're like, um, it's just scary. And I, I don't want you to think that I take it lightly. So I just wanted to make sure that you, you knew I really am grateful that you wanted to share with everyone because I know that your story will be impactful to people. Thank you. So... Thanks. You're amazing. Thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to try. You're going to try. <laughs> and you're going to be amazing. Thanks. Okay, everybody. Um, 
I never know how to end these. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming. That was cool. I did hear the bugs. Stop. They like did. Adrienne was sharing her message. You guys have to like maybe rewind if you didn't get hear that. Adrienne started talking about her message to the world and the cicadas were like, and then all of a sudden they went silent. They wanted to hear the message. So I am a full believer that nature is connected yes. to us and that we are a part of nature. And I can tell that because <laughs> I also noticed how Zell came over here right in the beginning to say hi to yes. you. She checked up on you. Did she like come behind yes. me? I thought I felt her behind yes, me. But she was really, I'm telling like she was really um, respectful of your uh -huh. face. She's not usually respectful <laughs> of people's faces. Like she felt that you needed a support, but not too much. Uh -huh. So Aww. horses are so intuitive. Isn't that cool? Yes. We Thanks love you guys. So. Thanks for coming. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. And if you ever see Adrienne, you should just like high five her because she's super cool and super brave. Thank you. So we'll be back next week. Until then, peace out. Hey, everybody. Jennifer here. Thanks for taking the time to listen to my favorite woman, Abigail's podcast. We are so thankful that you've chosen to spend your time with her today. Please take a moment to like, subscribe, and share with a friend. And don't forget, check out her blog at biketotype.com and her website at freedomforthetaking.org. I promise you're going to love it. If I wrote it in a song, would you believe in more? If I busted out the lock, would you open the door? If I dare to speak my truth, would you still value me? If I reach my hand to you, would you reach yours back to me? Darling, there's no reason why you should have to hide. Step out into the open air and claim your freedom waiting there.